Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Today, I actually wanted to start off in a way that I've, I never thought that I would start off, but it's a quote from a fellow by the name of Tim Tebow. Yeah. And I was writing this message last night, you know, and I was, um, I mean, I kind of had the concept of what I wanted to do. It goes with last week, but I was writing it last night, but I had also on my computer as I was putting my notes in, I also had what was when I was a child, a very special game, the biggest game of the year, you know, minimized on one screen of my computer, which was the Florida, Florida state game growing up down there. It was like, that's the rivalry. Nothing else mattered. And you had to, Thanksgiving break. And on Monday you had to go back to school and all the FSU fans, all the Florida fans, cause it was like divided 50%, but it was just, you know, there was kids shedding tears over that game, dude. Because you're going to have to go back to school and see little Derek and Travis, and they're going to be talking, talking all that noise to you. Those are real people, by the way. Florida State fans, unfortunately. Two of my best friends. But anyhow, so I'm watching that game, and I actually wasn't even watching it. I was listening to it while I was kind of just putting the notes together. And if you... any. The game was really big, but Florida State, it's, they're probably the best team in the nation this year. I think they could have won the national championship, but their quarterback broke his leg, was really injured last week. It was terrible. Heisman front runner, probably the best player in the league. And, um, but also the Florida quarterback, he also got injured on his shoulder last week. And so they've got these backups. And so what would have been a definite win for the Seminoles became a real, an actual game because it was all these backups playing each other. You know what I mean? Um, and it's this huge, stressful game. It's so big in Florida. You know what I mean? It's like tech, Texas, Oklahoma is here. You know, it's one of these, these rivalries where it's just, you know, there's always fights in the games and all this stuff. And they asked Tim Tebow, who's, who's a devout Christian. He's outspoken. He's a football player. Or was, if you don't know who that was. And they asked him, hey, you gave advice to this Florida Gators quarterback, this young freshman guy that's never started a game. He's hardly even played. And now he's on the biggest stage and there's all this pressure on him. What was your advice? And I'm sitting there and I'm not even seeing, you know, I've got it like behind, you know, how you can have different screens open. I don't even have it. I'm not even watching it. I'm like, I can hear it while I'm putting my stuff together. And um, he said, I just told him that, that your identity is not in this game. This is football. Like, your identity is not in the game of football. You don't have to play with pressure or fear, but you can actually go out with confidence. And you can believe that you're here for such a time as this. And he quotes the book of Esther. And, I'll, and it just, it hit me so hard. Because I'm sitting there, and that's what I'm writing about. And he's talking about your identity is not what you do. And it's not... It does not hang on this football game that feels like such a huge amount of pressure. But what he was saying was like, you're beloved of God. That's who you are. And instead of letting fear and pressure make you jittery and nervous in this huge game, maybe instead consider, just like was told to Esther in the book of Esther, like maybe instead consider that God has placed you here for such a time as this. 
Not like, why has this happened to me? I'm not ready for this. Our starting quarterback went down. It's like, well, hey, maybe God allowed it to happen because you have something special in you to bring to this place. You know? And like when he said that, like I felt it in my emotions, but that was my message today. There's so many times people in life, we carry such a pressure to perform. We can carry so much pressure and anxiety and fear because our identity is placed in our performance or in how other people see us rather than the love of our Creator, the intention that our Creator designed us with. And we can just get to this place where like, if we're not producing or if we're not what, um, air quotes, successful in this life, if we haven't proven to people that we're worthy of acceptance and love, you know, then we won't receive acceptance and love. If we're not good looking enough or pretty enough or, or, you know, whatever it could be, we have to work and strive to be something in order to gain this acceptance. And I love, you know, Tammy's over there telling the guy like, hey, you don't have to let those things rob you of being in this moment and playing and considering maybe, maybe it's God who loves you and cares about you and he's allowed you to be here for such a time as this to do something great. In other words, don't consider what a failure you could be in public, in national television, but maybe consider that God set you up to actually succeed, to thrive. And this is the message of identity in the gospel. You know, it's interesting because we're we're coming out of Thanksgiving and we're coming out, you know, we're going into the Christmas holidays and all these times where a lot of times we go back to our hometowns, right? You know, you go back by, you see old friends, you get old phone calls. I ain't talked to this dude in a while, you know, you know, whoever it could be. It could be relatives. You go back around your parents. And, you know, in the Christian walk, the thing about this life is that it's, it's so transformative. You know what I mean? It's like you're not who you once were. But a lot of times we can go around people that knew us as we once were. And there's almost a tension to prove that we're not that person anymore. Or that we do have it together. Or the decisions we life ha- that we've made in life were successful. And like, see, I do, I do have my, my stuff together. You know, I, I, I'm not crazy or I'm not a loser, you know. And you might even feel the pressure around old friends or families or cousins. or Oh, I know what you're like. I know who you are. You know, and that tendency to be somebody that, you, that you've, you've shed that a long time ago. And it's a wonderful time a lot of times because it's a barometer for people. You know what I'm saying? You go back and you can see the reasons you were the way you were or the re- reasons you reacted the way you reacted, the reasons your identity was formed into the way it was formed. But this reality that human beings were created in the image of God after his very likeness. Male and female, he created them. This, the, these, these little verses in the book of Genesis that we were created, the one, the one aspect of humanity that differs it from all the rest of the creation, whether it's the animal kingdom, whether it's the Elohim, the angels, the, uh, you know, uh, the trees, the, you know, whatever it is, all of his creation, where his glory is clearly seen in all those things, but we were created actually in his image as his imagers. The ones that, were, that are called to communicate his likeness to all of creation. To see him as he truly is, right? And reflect that same image to go from glory to glory. And we understand some of these things that, you know, obviously, Adam and Eve, they were deceived in the garden. 
do this and then you'll be like God. Eat this fruit and then you'll be like... They got, they got caught into this trap of trying to do something to prove and to be like something that they already were created like. And it was like they were working to get something that they already had. And that often is this, this thing that is, it's so exhausting. People come out the holidays and it's not even physical tired, which that's true, but their soul is so worn thin and tired because they've been in this, this battle of like inflammation of, of being who they are and not who they once were, but trying to prove who they are and, and, and all these tensions, all these relational conflicts, you know what I mean? That everyone's trying to, trying to work themselves out. But in, re, in reality, there's a place that I want to talk about today where we find rest for our soul, where we settle into leaving all of the works behind, the works of proving ourselves, the works of trying to appear like something or trying to be something, and stepping into the rest of the finished work of Jesus Christ, which actually causes us to rest in our true identity. It's like you're not what you do. You know, you're not a football player or a you know, fill in the blanks. And if you're successful in that occupation, then you then you have something to show for yourself. It's like we've stepped into the baptism of the beloved. This is my beloved son. This is the Jedediah. This is the one in whom I'm, I'm well pleased with you from the jump. And that's Christianity. It's coming back into our identity. See, there was a scripture, and I, it was, I remember because I did this message, I called it the ancient way, in 2019. And I remember when I did this message out of Jeremiah 6, 1, 6, 6, 16, that it was one of those things that hit me so hard that I almost felt like I could do the same message for like six weeks in a row. Just wanted to park on it, you know because of the way it tied. And um, as I was you know, praying about the message and like, I just felt like this is, this is the truth of stepping into our real identity and the restful way that we abide in the Lord and bear fruit. And Jeremiah 6, 16 says this. It says, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is or the way of his goodness. And walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And it's this interesting, kind of obscure passage in the book of Jeremiah. This prophet, this young guy is writing this stuff out. About this offer that God was making with his people. To change course, which we, we, we know it means to turn around and go the different direction is repentance, right? To, ch to have a change of mind. But when I was reading this, I remember sitting there, you know, sometimes when you're reading a scripture, does it ever just like come alive to you and you just want to park? You know, we can, we can even be hustling in our Bible study and reading. I got to read a full chapter before I go out and do my, so I feel accepted by God before I go out and live my life today. You know what I mean? Or my, my two and a half chapters or my, you know, I got to spend this much time praying or this much, you know, we can, we can fall into working like hourly work, punching the clock. But sometimes, man, you, you get into the scriptures and something just highlights to your spirit and you find rest. And I remember sitting there reading that stuff that said, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. And, um, or stand by the road and see. It's the road or the path, There's, you know, depending on how you translate it. And ask for the old path where the good way is and walk in it. 
and you will find rest for your soul. And I was like, man, what is that about? I literally, it's, it was almost like I was reading that, but I, like, I, I felt like I was in like a movie, like an adventure movie or like a, a destiny or like, you know, it's like one of those like J.R. Tolkien or something. You know what I mean? The Lion, the Witch and the, the Lord of the Rings and all these. It's like, man, this seems like an epic. I, I felt myself stand by, this, by the roads and see and ask what it's really translated for the ancient way. And I was like, what? And walk in it because the goodness of God is there. And I was like, whoa. And I, I'm, I'm reading this, but it's almost like I see myself standing in this dark lit wilderness or forest. And I see this path that feels so magical and so much purpose and destiny. And it's this opportunity of the Lord like, like hey, this is the path to your true, to your true nature, to your true, to your true identity, to all of your forefathers that have gone before you. This is the path of like, it almost, it almost even felt like your true, the culture where you're from. Like you don't even know who you really are, but there's this thing called the ancient way that you can step into and you can walk down that path. And it's ancient. It is, it is, it is from eternal eternity past. It is like, it is, as it says in um, Psalm 139, that, that the Lord knit us together in our mother's womb. It's like, this is, this is your destiny, your purpose, my full intention. That you were in Christ before the foundations of the earth, it says in Ephesians 1. Like, you were designed intricately and not by accident. Like, your purpose, your being, your destiny. Like, the master builder who is love, God, right? The designer had didn't did, it wasn't a half day he was just working a half day that day you know what I mean? so he made you and you're kind of a little bit weird you know what i mean but it's like he like put his full love his full attention in your person and in your into the fabric of your dna into the things that make your mind and your spirit tick and come alive he destined and designed them to fully come alive to fully thrive and to bear fruit eternal fruit in this reality that we call the world and like he designed that and it's this invitation, instead of going the way you're going, come to me and actually adjust your path and walk down my path. Amen. You know? And it's like, I don't think people, I don't know if they've experienced him like this, but it's like when th these, these verses that come alive, you know, the, the 2 Corinthians 3, 18, that we talk about the glory to glory verse, when we see him without a veil over our face, without a misconception, we see him as he truly is and we're transformed into the same image. It's because we've been created in His image, but we don't know what He looks like. And the more we see what He looks like, the more we come alive in our true identity. And instead of living for the, in the pressures or fear of the game of failure, and oh my gosh, seat me up, it's understanding like, hey, your identity is not in this matrix. Your identity is ancient and is ancient of design that is, that is intricate and beautiful and fully intended by God. And you can step into that and you won't have to try to be anything because you are in his image. You can just be who you actually truly are. And there's no effort in being yourself. That's not an, I don't have to work to, to make myself look a certain way or come across a certain way. I just come across and look the way that I've been created to come across and look. And that is the ancient way of, of my being because my dad is God and it's beautiful. But before it talks about the glory, glory, it says it talks about the spirit where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. There is freedom. And so many times we 
we think we are protecting ourselves by showing what showing how many how, how successful we are trying to put this face forward like oh i gotta come across with these people and i gotta be defensive about this my aunt always talks down to me and i gotta be guarding up for that you know we have all these things that we come around family or friends and stuff like that but the ancient way is to be so at rest and to have rest for your soul because that's what it says you'll find when you come into this ancient way you'll find rest for your soul there won't be any striving you'll be you you will be you you know and it's like, there's something about the presence of the Lord. And I found this out early in my Christian walk, you know, within those first couple of years. You know, yes, the Lord is with us. Yes, the Lord is in us. But there is something about the presence of the Lord. It is different. I know theologically He's with us. He's always with us. But there is something disarming about the presence of the Lord. And you're talking about somebody like that me that was so very insecure, right? But people also thought that I was very arrogant and proud, you know. But the proud and the arrogant are usually very insecure, little little hint i mean you guys know that um but it was like when i started to encounter his presence it would break me down i would weep i would weep in public but i felt so at home and it felt so good to me to be to have that release to not for once to not care what i looked like or what people thought about i couldn't wait to get back into his presence i couldn't wait to be in worship and just break because it was just like, it was so freeing. It was like, I'm breaking down and I'm not embarrassed. I don't have to look like a tough guy in front of all these people. I don't even care. I'm broke down. Somebody, oh, he might, he might be getting free of drugs. Or maybe he's a, you know, maybe he's a homosexual or something. You know, all those things. Like, I don't want people to think that I'm having deliverance over here. I don't care what they think. Because I can feel him. I'm in his zone. And uh, people don't understand what that, uh, people don't understand what he is like. The freedom that's in God. I wish it for everyone, but that's where we're going. But it's like the feeling of really, it's not like don't care what anybody thinks. Don't care what anybody else thinks. Don't give a, a darn about what people think. And all these, these quotes that everyone says, it's like there is a place of really not caring. And it's in him. And it's not caring in order to look like you don't care because then you're still doing the same thing. It's like of really stepping into the freedom of your identity and the safety of that is in the path of God that causes the whole guard to come down and you don't even care. There's a, like, we think about these scriptures about David dancing and his clothes flying off and all this stuff. It wasn't like, it wasn't cute. It wasn't like, you know, Prince, you know what I mean? Purple rain coming down the street and they're like, it's like a parade. This is like chaos. Like what's wrong with him? You know what I mean? It's, it was like, he wasn't trying to be pretty, you know, that's an old, some of the young people are like, who, who is this Prince? No. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's like he became undone to the point of like, there's something about getting into his presence where you will lose the ability to care what it looks like. And it is the most freeing thing in the world. And it's, it, is your, it is like coming back to your identity. I mean, it's something else. I believe heaven is fully like this. Absolutely chaos to somebody. To step in and see the praise and the worship's going on there. Because no one gives a flip how they look. You know, It's different, man. It is, it is a different way. But I love this because it says, stand in the way and see. Ask for these ancient paths where the good way is. Find the ancient way, the original design. Step into who you truly, truly are. But it says something there at the end of the verse. Then you will find rest for your souls. And it's like, oh. It's like you will step into who you really are in such a level 
that it's like you, you officially will be wearing no costume, no grid, you know, King David, you know, sitting at the table in front of the enemy, you know, he prepares a table, I'll sit down and be comfortable. It's like complete vulnerability, which is complete confidence, but also that is the place of the eternal authority that God's called us to walk in. That's the place of freedom that God's called us to walk in, which unlocks other people, which they look and they see and they're like, hey, I want what you have. I want what you have. We think these, we think these identities we, we wear and the status we project gives us protection in life, but all it does is keep us bound. And I've seen it like this. Uh, do you guys remember the old diving costumes that they used to wear, a lot, you know, 50, 100 years ago? They didn't have the good snorkels in the backpacks. They had the, the, like the fish bowl on top of their head and then the, the, the hose that went all the way up to the boat. Anybody seen that? At least on a cartoon if you're young, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the type of stuff they used to wear and they were really heavy and so they'd walk around with those big things. And that's how they, were, that's how they would go scuba diving a long time ago. But the whole world is wearing those things. The whole world is wearing those fishbowl helmets on their head with their, with their uh, hoses coming up to the boat. And the boat might say, you know, status or, you know, it might say wealth or it might, it, it might even have a, one of them has a little Adderall thing to it, I think. Pretty sure it has that. And one of them has Xanax and some of them just have alcohol and cigarettes over here. And some, you know, like all the things we use to self-medicate ourselves, to make us feel safe, to make us feel okay down here in this ocean that we're all walking around in. And then somebody steps into the ancient way and walks around with no helmet. And they're walking around in the world, not hooked up to anything to keep them okay. And all these people walking around super slow with helmets on are looking at you and be like, hey, why aren't you dying from being exposed? How are you breathing under this water? And the reality is like, hey, we were, we were built to thrive in this atmosphere, to not need any of that stuff. And that's, that is the arise and the shine of people that are unlocked in this, in this way of freedom, that they're not depending on other things as an identity or status. And they're not even going cutting people's, cutting people's ropes. Hey, that's illegal. You sh I'm going to cut that rope off you. Instead, they're demonstrating what it looks like to walk in freedom. They're not accusers. They're demonstrating freedom. And people are like, I want to walk in that same freedom. You feel me? Did that analogy work? It worked in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, you will find rest for your soul. Walk in the ancient way and you will find rest for your soul. Don't carry all these other burdens, this helmet. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, take my yoke upon you. Like take your pressure and your yoke off and all this work that you're doing and take my yoke upon you. Yeah, that's Matthew uh, eleven twenty-eight. I love it. Speaking of that ancient way and the same wording, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly. I'm humble. I'm, I'm lowly in heart, which means I'm humble. I'm the eternal king who created absolutely everything you can see and even created what you can imagine. That's a strange thought. And guess what? I'm humble and I'm kind and I'm approachable and you can feel safe just coming straight towards me and straight to me. Hmm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. I am humble. And what does he say? And you will find rest for your soul. This is also the ancient way. 
It's the same wording. You will find rest. It's, it's Greek. It's Septuagint Greek in the Old Testament. That's translating that um, Hebrew. So it's like this, this same concept of like, hey, do you want your soul to be at rest? That's not in torment and, and, and striving to prove or to jump through religious hoops to be accepted by me. It's like, no, you can just come straight to me. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. I'm lowly. I'm accessible. Remember, this is the I am. This is Jesus is the, the I am. Before Abraham was I am. He is the embodiment of Yahweh. He's the image of the invisible God. All these different things. He's the prototype of what we're called to look like. And he's telling us, hey, don't get tricked to thinking you got to do something that qualifies you to come to me. Come straight to me. Don't be tricked to thinking that I'm angry or I don't want to be around you. I'm actually very gentle. Man, that I mean, we see him as, a, as you know, like this scary thing. He's like, I'm actually very gentle. That's him describing himself. That's God describing God to us in our terms. And I'm very humble. And you'll find, once you come to me, you will find rest for your soul. This is the ancient way. The ancient way is the identity of actually coming to him and taking our yoke and our burden and all this heaviness off of ourselves of trying to prove or trying to be accepted by God or trying to be proved or be accepted by other people and actually coming into our true design. You feel me? And it's like we're coming into this true design of who we truly are and were before the foundations of the earth, ancient. We find this rest and we step into this place of peace of like, yo, I, I have nothing to prove. Yeah, that's one of the important, one of, golly, one of the most freeing things that I was told a long time ago is like, hey, you don't have anything to prove. I was like, oh, you're not trying out for something. You know what I mean? Like, you have nothing to prove. Yeah. Know me. Know me, see me, and you will, you will be contagious with me Amen. to other people. Well, that sounds simple. It's like, yeah, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's true. We see the ancient way that finds rest for, for your soul is tied up in that exact reality of Matthew 11. Come to me, I'm gentle, I'm humble, you'll find rest for your soul. The rest of the soul is seeing Jesus as he is, and stepping out of works of trying to prove something, but knowing him and reflecting him and being in him. I can't describe it, man. I don't know if I can articulate it well enough, but it's like, you know, when I see this, when I see this, the door the door of that pathway opening up, that, that, that trail of the ancient path of Jeremiah 616. It's like when I see that walk in the ancient path, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel culture, man. And it's not just like, you know, I, I, I don't even know, I don't want to say British or, you know, whatever my, I don't even know my dang lineage. I'm probably just such a mutt, I don't even know, so it doesn't matter. But it's not earthly. It's like, it's like, it's like culture. It's like, I feel the sense of all my forefathers, the men and women, like the people that have gone before us, this, this reality of this, what the book of Hebrews says, that we are surrounded by, such a, by this cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. Like, let every sin and every weight, let it be cast aside, man, and, and actually walk forward into the paths of the Lord. It's like, it's just like, wait a second, this, this eternal realm, it's like, I, I feel like palm trees and massive oaks, like all these things. It's like a memory, man. It's like a memory before time of this way of the Father's lineage and business that we're all called to walk in. And we're called to awaken to it, and we awaken to it by seeing Jesus as He truly is.
that's just the best way I can describe it. And I can't even tell if it's really going through or not because it's like it's in my own brain. But, you know, you have somebody uh, that used the same verbiage of the ancient way of Jeremiah 6, and it was the king. It was King David, arguably the, the greatest, you know, king of Israel of all time. And um, the one in whose his lineage came the Messiah from, you know, out of his lineage. And he wrote all these beautiful palms. Oh, I said like Joe Biden right there. I have the palms. He wrote the palms. You know, that's not a slap against Joe. I'm just saying it, you know. But I'm just saying, you know. I'm not trying to be disrespectful there. But I did just say the P word. But, you know, he wrote these beautiful psalms. But Psalm 139. And it's this beautiful, beautiful psalm where he says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my raising up. You understand my thought from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. There's not a word on my tongue that you don't know. Um, you've, you've hedged behind me and before me. You've laid your hand upon me. So such knowledge is too wonderful to me. Wonderful for me. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. I take, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. Surely the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I'll praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous. Are your works. My soul knows that well. My frame wasn't hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, you saw my substance being yet unformed. In your book, they were all written the days fashioned for me. It's like, can you hear this? Can you hear the sense of this poem that this great poet and king is writing? It's like, man, it's like, even when I've tried to run away from you, it never has worked. Even when I'm in darkness, the darkness is like light to you. It's like you didn't leave me when I went down my own path, when I was when I was stooped in perversion or darkness or in even dark things. It was like you you still didn't leave me there in that whether I was in heaven or whether I was in Sheol, the place of the dead. Hell is what King James translated right there. But it's like even doesn't matter which place I'm at. You are there with me waiting for me to turn and follow you out of that place. It's like he's never gone away. And he's like, he's, he's understanding my frame, my, my being, my, I was wrought skillfully. I was put together. And we're like, well, yeah, David was handsome. I'm like, no, this is the scriptures. This is us. This is you. It's like your destiny, your purpose. Everybody wants to get on their path in this life, especially Christians. We want to walk in our purpose and destiny more than anything. Be found in alignment with God, you know. But the secret is, is not to sell out to try to doing it in our own strength or to proving it in our own strength. But the path is to settle into the reality of who he truly is and let that become a part of who you, not even a part, let that become your identity and it will put you in that path of destiny. And that's what David is saying. I found what success is. You designed it. Even all of my days were, were, were scribed by you. They were written even before I was even born. Like you, you, you wrote this beautiful script for my life. And the only time it goes sideways is when, because of free choice, I choose a different path than yours. 
But we understand as Christians, we have this beautiful gift of what's called repentance where we can actually turn and get back on the path where we got off the path. How precious are your thoughts? How great is the sum of them? Should I count them more in number than the sand? It's like this concept that this man is having is that that you are constantly thinking of me. You're constantly considering me. You're constantly aware of me. And I'm like, wow. How many times do we want to go to the Lord, but we feel like a bother? I don't want to be needy. I don't, you know, seek the Lord's uh, face, not his hand, brother. Right? You've heard that saying before. I don't want to be just seeking his hand for help, you know. It's like David's come to this, like, hey, you're, you're always, your thoughts are even always with me. You always want to direct me, whether I made a mistake or not. And it's like, wow, that's brilliant. He, he finishes this, this beautiful poem in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. It's like, whoa. Hmm. And see if there is any wicked way within me. And lead me into the way everlasting, which is that same, the same verbiage of, of Jeremiah 6. Lead me into the ancient way. And I love this stuff, man, because David and Jeremiah are talking about this same path because they're both prophets of the Lord, and it's the Lord's word for us. And he's, he's literally saying, God, I'm, a, I'm a officially acknowledging the Lord as my shepherd, because that's what he said in Psalm 23. And I'm officially acknowledging that, man, I can't run away from your goodness and mercy. They, they, they'll follow me all the days of my life. I can't even run away. You're always out to bless and cause me to walk in the successful ways of the kingdom. This is every single believer and every single human being that will, that will listen to his voice, will follow his way. And David is saying, like, you know me better than I even know myself. Like, he's awakening to this reality, like, oh. <gasps> The path to victory, the path to success, the path to life. What Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and abundant life. The path to living in the abundant life is found in following Him. And you've designed me to live in an abundant life of the righteousness, the peace, the joy that is in the Holy Spirit, that is the kingdom of heaven, of the abundance of heaven. You've called me to be successful that people would see me and want to know you. Can you imagine that being what evangelism is about? Instead of like trying to convince people that they're going to go to hell and burn forever and be tortured by a little pitchfork guy for the rest of their life. Be scared, be scared, be scared. Okay, join my club and you'll be good. Say this incantation and you'll be good. Right? That's what it's come come down to. Say this incantation. Say it like that. But you got to mean it. you got to believe it in your heart. You know what I'm saying? You know, he calls on the name of the Lord. Maybe you should call. Maybe you should yell. You know, all these, all these dumb things. And it's just like, can you imagine if evangelism was different than that? It was like people experiencing this life. People experiencing the success that's, that's not, it doesn't matter about the forecast of the world. The wholeness of family, the wholeness of health and life. The grace and mercy of God exuding from them. The kindness and joy, all the fruits of His Spirit. And evangelism was like people saying, hey, that seems to be working, whatever that is. I'll take some of that. How do, what, what can I buy it with? How much money does that cost? That happened in the New Testament. Give us this money. Give, give us this power that you have. You know what I mean? Like, you can't buy this, man. It was bought already for you. But you were designed for it. Like, what do you mean? Like, you're the chosen one. You mean like Luke Skywalker. Like, no, like, 
kind of. But, but, but like you were designed, you personally were designed by God. Yeah, I can believe that for you, but not me. Like, no, this is, this is what it means to be a human. If you made it onto the earth, if you made it here, you're, you're that. Calvinism's a lie. It's ridiculous. So let's not think that way. But, but it's like, if you even made it here, he died for you. If you were created, it's because he was crucified before the foundation of the earth for you because he values and loves you. Well, I'm just a sinner. No. No. Like Tebow said to the football player, you're not a football player. That's not, this isn't your identity. Maybe you're wearing the helmet. Maybe you're wearing the outfit. Maybe you're wearing the center outfit and the center clothes. You know what I mean? Maybe you're doing those things, but because you did that doesn't mean that's who you are. It means what you were doing. You were in him before the foundation of the earth. You were knit together in your mother's womb. He actually knows you more than you know yourself. There's something to that freedom. There's something to that path. And it feels like, it feels like old Florida to me because that's where I'm actually from. So I feel hints of you have these memories of the eternal kingdom within you. I promise everyone does. And when you have revelations of the Lord, it's a remembrance. It's not a, um, oh, this is this new thing that I've learned. It's like, no, it feels like you're remembering something. Like, I remember that. And the, the smells of a certain time of year or your birthday or a feeling when you're around maybe your grandparents or a certain patch of woods you used to go to that had massive oaks and palm trees mixed throughout. You know, this sense of the wind blowing. It's like you'll have these, remem- these remembrances of the ancient way of your true family, of your true history because God is your true history. He's your father, your creator. And it's called to awaken into us that we walk this ancient path to who we were created to be instead of who we became because of the, the fallen fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is the ancient path that we're called to step into that awakens all of our family in the earth and points to the goodness of God and cries out, hey, repent, like look at the Lord, the, the prophecy, the greatest of all time, the greatest prophet of all time, Jesus said it, but his prophecy was, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the whole world. Well, no, the elect people, the special ones. No, that's not what Dreadlock John said. Uncle John didn't say that. He said, He takes away the sin of the world. Behold Him. Look at Him. Look at Him like Moses lifted up that snake and let the poison come out of you. See Him as He truly is. It'll take the poison out of you, but you know what it really do? It'll cause you to wake up to who you truly are, to the ancient way. And you'll set into like, oh, you know what? This is my culture. This is my identity. This is who I always was. I don't even have to try to be this way. I don't have to dress this way to fit into this group. I can just be who I always was in you and know you and walk this path. That's what it's about. And David's coming to it. He's telling you, I, like, you know me better than I know myself. It's like we talked about last, last week about um, Isaiah 55. Just the, uh, the truth about the Lord Jesus. I'm sorry, it was Isaiah 53. But just that, that he took our sicknesses and our pains upon himself. The very things that has contorted human beings in their identity through the fall was sickness and especially was pain. It was the pain of this life. It was the pain of rejection. It was the pain of failure. It was the pain of humiliation. It was fear. It was all these things that came in through the fall and caused man to take on an image he was never supposed to take on. But this says, surely he has borne our griefs, which is sickness, and carried our sorrows, which is pain, right? Isaiah 55. He's like, surely he's actually done these things. I'm sorry, that's Isaiah 53. But he's taken those things, so he's taken the way of pain out of us, 
and led us to get back on the path that we're called to walk in. I'll close with that because that's what David kind of closes this chapter with. He's saying, God, I can't get away from you. You're all to the other good and love you. Your goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. You know me better than I know my own self, and I'm realizing that. That's what it feels like. That's what that path feels like. It's like, oh my gosh, who are you? You know me better than my own wife knows me or my kids or my best friends. It's like, this is weird. It's like, you, you know better than, than Hal knows me. My dad, like Teresa, my mom, like they don't even know me as well as you know me. It's like, wow, this, 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 this relationship, this love, this, this connection I have with you, it goes way past Titusville, Florida, 1980. You know what I mean? This goes way past my childhood or my lineage. I was with you. I know you. You know me. And I get to discover this reality in relationship to you and walk it out on the earth. And David is saying this. He's saying like, he's like, you know me. You sewed me together. You all my days. And he says, search me and know my heart. This is the, this is the, the point of today. This is how we settle into this revelation is, is through prayer because that's what this verse is. But he says, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. We know the things that make us anxious. We know the things that give us fear, right? But he's, he's open heart surgery in this relationship to the Lord. And it's like, hey, he's acknowledging, I have, I have anxiety and fear within me. See if there's any wicked way within me, which that means that, that actually is, see if there's any painful way within me. It's like, hey, has pain come into my life in different points? Like for me, it was like I was really publicly humiliated several times, even when I was really young. Got embarrassed, called out and stuff like that. So there was pain and stuff that attached itself to me since I was a little kid that caused me to carry myself in a way I was like, ain't nobody going to call me out in public again. Not without really getting wrecked, you know. And so that was my posture. That was my attitude. You know what I mean? Didn't matter. Like I will have it so together, even in the Bible stuff, I will know this thing so well that I don't, I don't care if it's John Piper, I will cut your knees off like Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> you won't be able to phase me with that stuff, you know. But what's that? You're playing defense instead of being. You, you, you've got your armor on her. I had my armor on, I have the sword out like, oh yeah, they're gonna contradict what I say. <laughs> Please, oh, you know what I mean? It's like this mentality, but David, David is saying, hey, if, if, know my anxieties and my fears and see if there's a way of pain. Has pain contorted my identity to a way that you didn't intend me to be? He's talking to the Lord saying like, hey, open heart surgery. Am I, I'm realizing I'm not exactly who you designed me to be. And you're the designer, you know? And help me to get back into that path. Help me to get back into that design. Because I know that, as David says, lead me into the ancient way. He uses the same verbiage, the same, the same place where there's rest for the soul that Jeremiah talks about. The same thing that Jesus is talking about. Take my yoke and not your own, because I carry this one. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, there's a rest for your soul that you can find in me by acknowledging your fears, by acknowledging the things that are eating your lunch, by acknowledging there's places in your life where pain has caused you to take on another image. But hey, Lord, would you help lead me out of those places to where I step into my real self in you? Yeah, because Jesus said if we would do that, John 15, if we would abide in him, that's what it means to live our identity within him, we would bear very much fruit in this world. 
And he said, by this, your father will be glorified that you bear much fruit. That's what he said. So the things that I'm saying, they're, they're all there. It's not like, no, but we got to tell them they're going to hell. It's like, no, Jesus said, by this abiding in me, you'll bear much fruit. And my father will be glorified. In other words, people will want what you have and it will point them not to you, but to him. It won't scare them away from him. Do this so that you're accepted by him. It'll cause them to come to him and realize that he's gentle and he's kind by you stepping into your true self. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So we'll leave it there. Um, I will, sometimes we used to ask uh, um, questions, almost like homework, because this is, you know, sometimes we do church, but we, it's good to have homework, and it's not something you have to communicate to other people. That, that's good too. But a question I, I wrote in this closing, I was talking about this, the ancient way is, is to be. It's not to fall for the trap of striving in order to establish who we are, but to rest into our true identity, which is found in Him. And that's what it means to abide. But even off the way David closed, when he said, lead me into the ancient way, test me and know my anxieties and see if there is a way of pain within me. Because it's like, I want and lead me into the ancient way. Am I, am I on a path or an identity of pain that I can step off of and lead into the ancient way of my true identity in you? That's been loved by you and created by you so long ago. And I think that prayer of Psalm 139, verse 23, 24, is so vital and crucial for us, especially this time of year. Maybe you get around old family and old people and old friends and old memories and old smells, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, and those types of things come up. Oh no, I thought I dealt with this already. It's like, well, that's okay. Deal with it now. It's like, Lord, hey, is there pain? Is there fear and anxiety within me? Is there pain that's caused me to cause pain or caused me to take on an image that's not you? And that question that I wrote, are there any aspects of your life where pain or wound has crept in and become a motivator, become what drives you? Simple question. It drives you. Or it causes you to be and reflect an image other than the image that is completely whole. And I would ask, when you ask and pray that question, say, to be led in, it's like, Lord, teach me to learn to release forgiveness and not only just release forgiveness, but to ask for the wholeness that comes from knowing you. Would you heal me in the places where I've been wound, wounded so that those wounds become the authority to heal and they don't become something that causes me to reflect an image less than what you call me to reflect.